This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Florida 3rd District Representative Ted Yoho. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer. Learn more about the Bayer Bee Care Program at beehealth.bayer.us. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Congressman Ted Yoho next. While growers and beekeepers may seem unlikely friends, the work within both industries easily intersects to create positive environmental impact all around. That's why Bayer created the CARE program. CARE is an acronym reminding growers to communicate, be aware, reduce dust, and ensure correct planting practices to reduce risk to pollinators during planting season. Now, in its sixth year, Bayer encourages growers to embrace responsible stewardship practices with four simple tips. Communicate planting activities with neighboring beekeepers. Be aware of wind speed and direction during planting. Help reduce the amount of dust released by using Fluency Agent Advanced as their seed lubricant and ensure seed is planted correctly. Visit beehealth.bear.us for more information on land and product stewardship. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Leadership in the House of Representatives has regrouped and is looking at a second attempt to approve new farm policy next month. Florida's 3rd District Representative Ted Yoho says there were several reasons the GOP-led bill failed. You know, there's a couple dynamics going on that. One is, you know, we had no Democrat support at all. I mean, they just basically pulled out of the whole process, thinking we were being too harsh on the nutritional reforms, um, which is a misnomer. We're just trying to reinstitute the work requirements from uh, President Clinton that need to be put back in there. So that's one thing. The other thing is um, uh, there's a group, and I belong to that group. It's the House Freedom Caucus um, that had been promised immigration um, prior to this bill, and we were told it was going to be put in there. I was in the meetings uh, the night before, and um, the commitment didn't come through uh, as clear on Friday as they should have. Uh, And I didn't know that. I voted for the Farm Bill, and I'll vote for it again. Uh, But there were some members that just felt leadership wasn't being forthright, and they wanted a strong commitment on the Good Lad Immigration Bill, which is something that will help the ag sector. And so uh, we're negotiating that right now. We're going through those things, and I think you'll see this bill come up, and I think you'll see the Farm Bill pass. On the failure, it was the ranking member of the committee, Mr. Peterson, suggesting, okay, this is the opportunity to go back to the table, to go back and rewrite the bill, and then bring it back to the floor. I understand Mr. Conway plans to make no change. Great question. Uh, I asked that of um, Chairman Conway. He said the bill uh, is going to come back as is, no amendments, no changes. So, yeah, there won't be. When we look at the House Freedom Caucus, if you could speak for the group or at least your perspective for the group, what was in this farm bill that you approved of, and are there particular areas that perhaps might have been hard to swallow? I I, I can't speak for them. I can speak for me. The the farm bill itself, you know, I would have liked to have seen some different nutritional changes. I think we could have done better on some of the... um, uh, commodity programs. I come from an area in Florida that has no base acres for peanuts. Uh, that's something we'd like to see, but you know, our goal is to maybe do something in the um, in the conference bill if we get to that point, and I'm sure we will. Um, some different tools for crop protection. 
as far as risk mitigation. Um, we've got a lot of specialty crops coming out of Florida. You know, I think we're up almost to 400 specialty crops. Um, I would like to see some things different in that. And then um, I think overall, I was happy with it. Um, there's always things you can get better, but when you're dealing with 435 members in different regions of the country, it's hard to have one size fits all for an ag policy. But I think this was an improvement. I think Sonny Purdue put it well. He looked at this bill being evolutionary, not revolutionary. You know, to build off the good reforms we had last year and move forward with this. And then when you get into the nutritional side, which is close to 80% of the farm bill, um, there were some things that were good reforms in there, and I think we could have done a little bit better on that. But um, when this bill comes back up, I think you're going to see a pass. So when we think about the legislation, obviously uh, the 14 bill wasn't a failure. There are a lot of people very happy about the policies that were in place in the 14 bill, and some said it wouldn't necessarily be the end of the world if we had to extend for a year. But yet, what are the things that are about this policy that say, yes, now it needs to be approved and needs to be approved on time? Yeah, and that's some of the points that people were making. Let's just extend it. But if you extend that policy, you know, you've got to go from one Congress to the next. You know, there's an election coming up here in November, and the House could change. I mean, things could change up here dramatically. And so the, for the people that want to postpone this, uh, the longer you postpone it, the less likely you are going to get a bill passed. And by postponing it, you're not going to get the nutritional reforms that are going to be significant in this. You know, to ask people from the ages of 18 to 59 that are work capable with no dependents to be looking for work or working 20 hours a week and the government will assist you in getting you re-educated, whether it's in a vocation or another field, they'll help retrain you. Those are good reforms that will save millions, hundreds of millions of dollars over the lifetime of that farm bill. In addition, it brings stability and risk mitigation tools for our farmers to go out there and be able to farm. And um, uh, they got a little bit, I, I like the reforms we made there, but I think on the nutritional form reforms for the people that want to postpone it, what they need to understand is if you postpone this and it goes to the 2014 bill, you get none of those nutritional reforms, so you're going to spend more money. So from a livestock perspective and some of the livestock groups that talked about this bill, they didn't get everything they wanted in terms of the Livestock Vaccine Bank, but a good start toward that. And with your experience and the veterinary background, how important is it to have that vaccine bank in place to protect what could be disaster for livestock in the country? This is something that we fought for. I mean, this is something we brought up back in 2014. The ability to have a vaccine, they call it a vac, a viral antigen concentrate bank, so that we can be prepared as a nation for foot and mouth disease. And this is something that, um, um, you know, we're moving in the right direction on this, and this is something that, you know, we're allocating money for that is a national security yeah, it's, it, in fact, it is in the base tax, $150 million a year for five years. Uh, this is a significant win for the agricultural sector because if we were to get foot and mouth disease, as you know, exports would stop tomorrow, and it would take us years to overcome to get back into that market. In addition, the detriment to our herds in this country, you've got two choices. You can vaccinate and allow them to recover from that, 
and hope you don't have too much of a knockdown of production from those animals. And keep in mind, this is any cloven-foot animal. Or you can slaughter your animals. And if you do that, you've just depopulated your herds. That's going to take you three to five years to rebuild those herds back to where you need to be. And so this is something that we're really excited because it was our initiative that really pushed that forward. And then we had some good initiatives on using the CRISPR gene in future animal production uh, where you don't alter the protein of that animal, but yet you're using genetic engineering and uh, making farmers more efficient. Congressman, when we're talking about the Farm Bill, easily the most controversial, the one that has drawn the most fire is that over the nutrition title. Sure. Are the work requirements too tough or not tough enough? Because there appear to be statements on both sides of the equation. Yeah, you know, I guess it depends where you stand. I think they could be tougher, um, but I think they're very doable. And we're looking at that group of people that is between the age of 18 and 59, that have no dependents, no disabilities, that are receiving government support through nutritional programs, and they're not working. This is something the American people, when they're polled and asked, if a person's able-bodied and and they can work, they should be working to get government assistance. So, no, I don't think they're too stringent. Um, I think they could go a little further. Um, The money that is put into this program um, will help people get retooled, whether it's a vocation, learning soft people skills, how to fill out an application, how to present themselves for uh, a job interview. And so the government is willing to work and meet that person where they're at to get them a better paying job, thus off of government assistance. You know, keep in mind that the National Black Chamber of Commerce is behind this bill. We've got so many outside groups that think these are good reforms. Um, so I dispute anybody saying that people will be thrown off. And you keep in mind, I'm a guy that was on food stamps when my wife and I got married at 19 in 1975. Uh, it was during the Carter administration. Prices or everything shot up. I know the value of that program. And I'm going to be one fighting hard to make sure it's there for the people that truly need it. But for people that, for whatever reason, they're not working and they're between the ages of 18 and 59 and you're work capable, We're going to help you find a good-paying job. Congressman, how do you respond to those who say that they might not have argued so much with the work requirement, but they just staunchly opposed the bureaucracy that would be created in order to educate and to train? Well, you know, I hear that, and I think that's something that we'd have to work out uh, over the course of the next year and help guide USDA and how they do that. Our goal is to have them work up with other work source um, organizations, and not create a new bureaucracy and turn it over to the states. So when it came to the vote, ultimately it was immigration that stood in the way, and there are those who want to see immigration addressed. Comprehensive immigration reform, piecemeal immigration reform, what does it take to satisfy those who want to see this done? Um, What it's going to take, I think, is more of a piecemeal. Comprehensive, when you're up in Washington, D.C., and it's tied to a government program, generally means it's not going to get done or doesn't work. So it's trying to encompass everything, and one size fits all, meets every need. And I think it needs to be more piecemeal. And that's why we support um, Bob Goodlatte, Chairman McCall's bill, and Raul Labrador's bill on immigration. It's got a good guest worker program for ag. Plus, we've sat down with them, and we had a guest worker program. They've adopted several of our, our ideas and put into his. So 
they're in the base text of that. And the other thing is it deals, besides the guest worker program, it does border security. It re-solidifies the enforcement of the laws on the book already. It gets rid of chain migration. It defunds sanctuary cities. It gets rid of the visa lottery where it doesn't matter anybody's background. If they get the right number, they come into America, and that's the wrong way to do immigration. And then it'll deal with the DACA children after those other metrics are done, border security mainly and the enforcement of law in the book. So this is a good bill, and uh, this is the one that we fought to have brought up uh, for a yes vote on the uh, farm bill. I was going to vote for the farm bill regardless, but I've got some strong conservative friends that I'm associated with in the House Freedom Caucus that wanted to make sure the Goodlap bill got brought up immediately after the farm bill and uh, the commitment from the leadership wasn't there. It is now, and so I think you'll see them both pass. From the Florida perspective and from agriculture's perspective, how does the Goodlett bill help to solve some of the problems? Well, what it does is it allows people to stay in this country longer so they don't have to go back as often as they had to, and it'll bring people out of the woodwork that are here illegally. Um, And that was one of the things that we had. We had a guest worker program that people that are here illegally can get um, permission to be in this country. They can get an ID card that would allow them to get a driver's license so the employer can um, get it, uh, get them to be able to use the truck. And uh, these are things the Florida producers have won. In fact, a lot of the ideas that we've had came from Florida producers. We put them in a guest worker program. We shared that with Chairman Goodlap. He adopted some of our ideas, and uh, I look forward to that. Stabilizing a workforce that our producers will know will be there in the future, so it's not hit or miss, and it has an e-verify component that the majority of the producers we deal with really like because that gives them certainty that the person they hired can be here legally without any um, retribution from the government or, or fallback from the government. I'm looking for your perspective on this one. Earlier, and it's not a surprise that in Congress there are multiple ideas on how to solve a problem. The president met with Republican governors this week. They're talking about his idea and his plan for immigration reform. I know there are moderates inside the GOP that would be more willing to craft a policy that might bring some Democratic votes. And then there are those who are who are more conservative that favor perhaps the Goodlett plan that this is the direction. How do you how do you see those different options and and again back to support or to to support your position? Well, you know, ideally you would love to have bipartisan support on a bill, but um, the environment up here today is not real con- conducive for bipartisanship unfortunately, especially on something that's broken as bad as immigration and has been for a long time. The president laid out his plan on immigration several months back. Uh, the Goodlap bill incorporates the majority of those, and uh, I think it's a good compromise. And now our job is to get that information out through radio shows like yours so that the American uh, voter can weigh in and put pressure on their members of Congress, either being a Republican or a Democrat. And this is one of those issues that people shouldn't look down party lines. They should look at what is best for my country, what is best for America. And an immigration policy that we come forward with should be a policy that's not best for Republicans or Democrats or, you know, Mexican immigrants or Guatemalan immigrants. It should be a policy that's best for America. And if it's that way, everybody benefits from it. Some of the sticking points have really been the path to citizenship. Right. 
what this bill does is allow the DACA children, for instance, to be able to stay here. They'll have permission to be here. They're not citizenship, but they can move into citizenship just like anybody else that comes to this country. But it gives them a status to be here without threat of retribution. If they choose to move into citizenship, uh, they move out of the DACA program. I know that you serve in the House, but I need to ask, do you think there's any hope that the Senate will pick up that language this year? Um, yeah, there's hope. Uh, is it likely? Probably not. But it's unfortunate because the Senate has the ability to do that if they go ahead and work. One of the positive signs I heard come out of Mitch McConnell is they may do away with the August recess just so that people will work here. And I think if Mr. McConnell will do that, the American people will be very happy about that. And I think we can get some stuff done if they're willing to follow through on that. Let's shift to the area of trade. Greg Dowd, the Trump administration's uh, agriculture chief negotiator, said this week they would rather have a right NAFTA agreement than a quick NAFTA agreement. Well, I agree how do, with them 100%. How, how do you see NAFTA from your district in Florida and then for the country? Well, from my district in Florida, NAFTA has not been good for our, our row crops and vegetable crops, i.e. tomatoes, blueberries, uh, potatoes. Uh, green peppers, you know, those kind of crops. Mexico is in direct competition with us in our growing season. Mexico is using labor that they're paying 8 to $10 a day. We're paying a minimum of $11 an hour. NAFTA should balance the labor requirements so that we're not competing against them. And so I want NAFTA renegotiated strongly in favor of America, but more in particular, Florida. When we're competing against a foreign country, there, it makes no sense to favor a foreign country and their producers, which a lot of times are just big corporations, over our American farmers in Florida. I worked in that in that field when I was since about the age of fifteen, going through college, and um, you know we can produce the best produce, but it's hard to compete against a foreign government that subsidizes either their product or they don't hold their labor standards to our levels. And I would hope. Our American grocery stores, i.e. the Publix, the Walmarts, the Kroger's, would get over the notion of getting cheap produce in this country on the claims that they say Americans want cheap produce over protecting the working rights of people around the world and having competitive products produced by our producers here. And I hope they would stand on the side of the American farmer, and particularly the Florida farmers. Congressman Yoho, we want to thank you very much for taking time from a busy schedule in Washington to visit with us here on Open Mic. Sir, it is Open Mic, and you have an open forum. Well, I appreciate it. Have a great day. God bless. Our thanks to Florida U.S. Congressman Ted Yoho, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer. Learn more about the Bayer Bee Care Program at beehealth.bayer.us. For AgriPulse. I'm Jeff Nelly.